The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Welcome to The Refuge. We are going to get ready to begin this Sunday. Is going to be a little bit more, a little unusual compared to our regular Sundays. We will be singing the majority of the time with some scripture and testimony in between. Um, so this, this gathering is for anyone who feels close to God, for anyone who feels far away from God, and I know I've felt in that range many times in my life. So to start us off, I'm going to read a scripture that I know has been encouraging to me. Um, and I am sure it was a familiar uh, verse to you. It's in Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not much more va- are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And that last question always convicts me. Um, Can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And the answer is no. Um, So that just, I hope you can be encouraged by that. I know that life can be really busy and, um, you know, there's just a lot going on in the world right now. So we all have our own stories. We all have our own uh, struggles. And I think that it's important to remember that Worrying is not going to fix any of those problems. So let's look to God today. Let's reflect on his goodness. Let's reflect on what he's doing in our lives. Um, So feel free to sit, stand, pray, dance, whatever you need to do this morning um, to be looking at Jesus. In your kingdom, 
to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away washed away Hosanna Hosanna you are the God who saves us worthy of all our praises Hosanna Hosanna come have your way among us we welcome you here Lord Jesus Hosanna Hosanna you are the God who saves us worthy of all our praises Hosanna Hosanna come have your way among us we welcome you Surely keep your 
Yeah. 
doing a lot of uh, preparing for my mom's memorial and thinking about nine decades of things that she saw happen. And, and a lot of us were alive for very momentous things happening. And so one of the things that I saw through all of these changes, all of these uh, things that were kind of world shattering and yet, and then things that were just monumentous, I saw consistently the faithfulness of God through all of that. And he is so consistent in his faithfulness. And no matter what is happening around us, and we see a lot now happening around us, um, he is so faithful. So I had a scripture from Psalms, and it's uh, Psalm 119. <laughs> I picked the longest one, but I'm not going to read the whole psalm. I'm just <laughs> reading 89 through 96 to you. Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Your regulations remain true to this day, for everything serves your plans. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. I am yours. Rescue me, for I have worked hard at obeying your commandments." Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my
Sing how I love you. 
So on this day, we have a lot of music, and we have somebody that is going to share right now with us, if Susie wants to come up. Good morning. Good morning. Is that on? Yep, it's on. it's on. Okay. I'm taking my notes out because I'm not a shy person. But when I'm sharing in public like this and with mixed company, I'm a little nervous. So I put some notes down. If I can find them. I don't know about you, but I'm a little sad that spring has kind of going in the shadows for a little bit here. <laughs> Turtleneck. You know, yesterday I was in like summer clothes, big time. And now, oh well, I guess we've got to wait a few, few days or weeks until we see that again. When I was a kid growing up, we would put our winter clothes away in like a cedar chest right around this time of the year. And we wouldn't even look at them until September, maybe even October. Not this way in the Northwest, so. Anyway, okay. Um, I guess I'm gonna start with just um, a little bit about what, about what God's showing me right now in my life, which is a testimony, but it's not so much a testimony of my whole life, but I will put a little bit of that in there, but. Um, God's shown me something about hope. And I'm really excited about that. Because you know how the book of Corinthians says, faith, hope, and love. You know, but the greatest of these is love. But hope's in there. Faith, hope, love. So hope is pretty important. So um, I was thinking about that. And uh, many years ago, we sang a song, and I love to worship. I love it. But we sang this song many years ago in a church we were part of in Seattle. And it was kind of repetitive, but it definitely had some meaning to the first couple of verses. And it was, I think I'm going to sing it because <clears throat> to say it doesn't have as much impact. But it's... Um, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. In loving strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. And my husband, Walter, and I used to joke. <laughs> We used to joke about way, 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 like it's a little repetitive. But um, that's kind of going to be the theme about what I'm talking about for these few minutes, right? Mm -hmm. um, that God will make a way in our lives when there seems to be no way. So I've got to put the readers on. My childhood. Okay, I'm just going to brief. But... Um, <laughs> 
you know, my mom, who I don't have a whole lot of memory of, was apparently a very gracious woman. Um, and she, uh, she went into um, the hospital when I was still five years old, the last month of my fifth birthday, and um, was supposed to have just minor surgery, but she never came out, she died. So she died on March 1st, and my birthday was the end of Feb. And I just remember feeling this kind of mixture of like confusion and sorrow, but being so young, being six, a lot of my family members, my, my mother's sisters came over to the house and they, um, there was a lot of crying. And I found myself trying to cry. Like, I better cry. This is my mother who died. You know, I was really kind of confused. And then I remember asking my dad if I could go and play at my neighbor's house. And he said, yeah. And I just remember playing my heart out there. And her mother was so kind to me. Of course, she was aware that my mother had just died. And, um, but that left kind of an image of, I wanted that kind of mother. And I knew that I had that kind of mother. And so it was a hard time because there were four kids. My sister Kath was 10. I was six. My brother was, well, my brother was seven and a half. And my youngest sister was three. But I had no idea how God would make a way. Because I would be just so impressed with all of my girlfriend's mothers. I wanted a mother like my friend Kathy had. I wanted a mother like my friend Joyce had. You know, I wanted a mother that was gone. And my dad remarried more out of need than love. And that, that stepmother didn't fill that place in my life. So I decided I was not going to be a mother. I was just going to live life, maybe even become a nun. And <laughs> I just, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I loved God, but I didn't really understand his love. I mean, I didn't understand his love, his mercy, his grace. I was afraid of God, but I loved him for the most part until I got to be about a teenager, and then I rebelled against God. And then it was just like, this is a bunch of nonsense. You know, he didn't make a way for me. He didn't give me a, a stepmother who was loving and kind and nurturing. So that's it with God. And so I went through my, you know, teenage years and my early 20 years. And my youngest sister, well, my, my dad and my stepmom had two daughters together. But my sister, who was of the first four, she went out to California to visit this ranch that she didn't even know was a Christian ranch, and um, all the way from Philadelphia to Northern California. And when she got there, they were Christians, and she got saved. And she was sending letters back saying, Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. And I just thought, whoa, she's really going off the deep end here. But I was curious, so I went out to visit and um, got saved, got baptized in the very cold Pacific Ocean in Northern California. But I was still not sure about all this. Like, 
how can I apply this kind of newness, knowledge of God to my day-to-day life? So I reluctantly, or everyone else seemed very reluctant, I went back to Philadelphia and continued with my friends and, you know, all of my pot-smoking friends, my partying friends, and uh, I'd have my little New Testament, and I'd be passing the joint, reading my New Testament, you know, not smoking it. I was changed, you know, and uh, that lasted for a while until I had no support from anyone, really. They just sort of put up with me for a while. And um, anyway, so I broke up with the boyfriend that I had come back for, partly, to Philadelphia. And we were back and forth and back and forth. And, and um, one day, I'd been back with him. I found that I was pregnant. And I had no idea how God was going to make a way. I was scared. So I just decided I would, I'd have the baby. I didn't want to abort the baby, but I'd have the baby and I'd put the baby up for adoption. That's noble. And God spoke to me in the middle of the night and told me he'd bless my life if I gave my life back to him. Because I was definitely confused and not walking with God at the time. And then, (laughs) so he spoke to me in the middle of the night. It was real. I gave my life back, wholehearted, moved back out to California, lived at the Lighthouse Ranch, had our almost 47-year-old, he'll be 47 May 8th, had Luke out there at the Lighthouse Ranch, had the support of so many wonderful, loving Christians. And... um, But I was torn because my dad, I had a great love for my dad. And I always did. And he was, he was an alcoholic. So he was drinking more and more all the time. And um, especially it started, I think, when my mom died. But it just increased, increased. He knew he made a mistake when he remarried. And it just became um, so hard to see him go downhill. So I was escaping partly back to California because it was so painful for me to see him like that, but I was torn, so I went back to Philadelphia with a little three-month-old and lived back there for a while, and then my dad died, and it was, um, well, it might have been a way sadder day than it was when my mother died because I was so young, I was so attached to my father, and I knew I couldn't help him in his time of need, but um, anyway, when my father died, I felt like the strings were completely severed as far as living back in Philly. So I came back to California. And that's when I met that man right over there. (laughs) God made a way. Because when there seemed to be no way. When I came back to California, I'm six months months pregnant. um, And... I don't know what the next day is going to bring, but I do know that God made a way when there seemed to be no way in my life. So we weren't really a a couple or a pair yet. Matter of fact, we were so different that we clashed big time because he was everything I wasn't. He's organized. I'm a scatterbrain. I have ADHD. I don't know if you can tell. 
It's, I, I, I cut out the age. I'm not hyperactive, but I'm definitely attention deficit because I can't seem to keep my ducks in a row at all. And he's organized, Walter. He's settled. He's, he's everything I'm not, which really abhorred me for a while. I just thought he was so dull. He didn't know how to have a good time. You know, so serious. But God made a way for me to fall in love with him. And I loved his love for God. That really attracted me. So, yeah, again, God made a way. And then we moved, um, we lived in Eureka for a little while. We had one more child. We had Luke already, of course. He was two years old when we got married. And then um, Lizzie was born, Elizabeth. And uh, we moved out to, to Seattle in 1980, I was pregnant with our third, and um, Matthew was born, and then Matthew died. Not immediately, but seven weeks later. And again, how's God going to make a way when there doesn't seem to be any way that this could be anything but awful? Um, and yet, you know, we started going to these support groups from uh, Children's Hospital. They had once a month, support groups for the parents of babies who died of sudden infant death. And so we started going, and I noticed that so many of these couples, mainly all of them, were just in so desperate states of just like, they were just so grieving and grievous and distraught. And I still had the knowledge that, and the hope that God will make a way. And so I remember we had like a potluck at the end of our sessions, um, especially the last one was when we had the potluck and the Holy Spirit took over. And I remember talking to these couples, you know, just in social talk like we do when we have potluck and, and uh, just, I had hope. God had instilled that hope in me that he'll make a way. And um, you know how, I don't know if you've ever experienced when the Holy Spirit's actually talking through you. It's really odd because you can't even remember what you said, but you knew it was a powerful time. And that was one of those times that God made a way. So then after Matthew was born and Matthew died, we continued because we had hope. And we had Sarah, Hannah, Rachel, Sammy, and David. So now we had seven and one in heaven. Seven and one in heaven. And um, yeah, so God really gave us that, I don't know, I guess that purpose and that that love and desire to move on with, with our grief. So let's see, what else? Down the road, okay, so we're, we moved over here to Kitsap County, and um, we brought set five of our seven with us. Two of them were in college, and we already saw the signs that they were one by one, especially the older ones, deciding that they didn't really want God in their lives, even though they were raised to love God. So one by one, starting like a domino effect, our oldest, and then it continued down to our youngest, 
just saying, we love you, Mama and Daddy, but, or Papa, you know, very affectionate, but we, um, we don't believe. And um, that's where I'm waiting for God to make a way. Because there seems to be no way. This has been going on for years and years. And um, our youngest was hurt by something, and he's estranged himself from our family, from us. He hasn't been around for holidays. It's really unusual, because we're a very close-knit family, regardless of their faith at this point. But um, our youngest is just, he's just gone in the opposite direction of his family and really wants nothing to do with his family right now. But I believe that God's going to make a way. So I'm going to close <laughs> with the scripture that I was thinking about, and it's in, it's in my phone here. Um, I'm in Bible Study Fellowship, and we're studying Old Testament, and we're in Habakkuk, if I said that right. And it's, it followed Jeremiah, and you know all of the rebellion of the Israelites, and you know, no matter what, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet because he didn't have one convert. You know, he preached God's love and God's forgiveness, and they didn't want anything to do with it. But um, anyway, that was in Jeremiah. And then we went to Habakkuk, and I love this last part of Habakkuk chapter 3, and this speaks to me about hope. It starts with... I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible, and it's verse 17, Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the, though the yield of the olive fails, and the fields produce no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet... I will, and in, in brackets it has, because it's amplified, choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose to shout in exultation in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet, this is like out of hind's feet on high places. He has made my feet steady and sure like hind's feet, and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. And um, yeah, that is, that is the thing that I'm really excited about, is hope. Because even though that fig tree doesn't blossom and things go south in our lives, Yet, I'm choosing to rejoice in the Lord. So that's it. Thank you. I was wondering, Susie, if Walter, you guys want to come up and just pray for your family? That'd be good? Yeah. <clears throat> We would love to do that. If you guys just want to reach out your hand or come up here, whatever you want to do, I just we've heard your heart so many times on this, and I would love to pray with this church family for your kids. Heavenly Father, 
reading in First Kings today. It says you made a covenant of love with us, and your heart is so much bigger, feels so much deeper than even ours do. Your love for Walter and Susie's kids is wider than the oceans. It's never stopped. When they think of their kids and love them and weep for them and want to rejoice in salvation with them, we know that's your heart for their kids coming through. That's your spirit. So God, we pray that you will make a way for all their kids to come back to you, to be uh, your kids, to worship you and love you and call you Lord and Savior. God, thank you for Walter and Susie's faithfulness in these painful years, their ability to look back and see the way you've made when it seemed like there'd be no way. God, we pray for salvation to fill their home and their family. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Susie.
Church. Good morning. I wanted to share a few things uh, this morning. And so, uh, 
Most of the time, I usually will have people uh, text me or email me about something that is going on in Nigeria, something that I haven't heard about. And I know uh, last week I uh, sent uh, Daniel a story. It was about a pastor, uh, and this was close to where my family lived, a pastor who was killed and his son, and many people were kidnapped. And so, and just to share a little bit, from April uh, the 2nd through the 10th, about 122 Christians have been killed already in Nigeria just because uh, they are Christians. And, you know, pastors are usually targeted with their families. Uh, that's very uh, common. And there have been hundreds of people already uh, that have been kidnapped. You know, kidnapping is just something that uh, happens uh, uh, every day uh, in Nigeria. And so just want to read this passage, John 15, verse 19. If you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but if you choose, but if you choose out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so if you are a Christian, right, expect it to happen, right? And so we're blessed in this country uh, to have a different kind of persecution where it doesn't cost us our life yet. But as believers, we know that it's going to come and it's happening everywhere. And that is why as a church, uh, we need to remember, uh, remember our brothers and sisters around the world who are uh, going through uh, persecution. And so, uh, quickly, I just want to share about other countries that we can be praying for this morning. And so, Open Door uh, USA listed the top five countries where it's hard to be a Christian. And these countries are North Korea, Somalia. Yemen, Eritrea, and Libya. If you are a Christian in those five countries, it's like one of the worst things that you can be doing. And so in North Korea, for example, it is illegal to follow Christ or to own a Bible. And if you do that, you know, you and your whole family, probably you spend the rest of your life in prison. And then in Somalia, Islam is the reigning religion. And so you are expected to live as a Muslim in Somalia. There, there are no exceptions. But still yet, there are faithful believers who, despite the challenges that they face, they still choose to follow Jesus, even though it is illegal. In Yemen, it is illegal to convert from Christianity, from Islam to Christianity. It is a law, it is illegal, and yet there are Christians who do that. You know, God is still, uh, you know, through dreams and visions, uh, drawing a lot of Muslims to him. And yet those Muslims face uh, banishment or even death uh, for leaving their religion. In, El in Eritrea, the only three denominations allowed are Orthodox, Catholic, and Lutheran. And I was like, really, Lutheran? Those are the three only denominations that are allowed in Eritrea. Anything else you face imprisonment. And so you usually have house police who go to house churches trying to find Christians who are 
practicing different denominations to persecute or imprison them. And then lastly, Libya. Since the fall of Gaddafi, Libya hasn't had a central government, and so what you basically have is Islamic extremists, right? And so with no government, as a Christian living in Libya, it is one of the worst things that you can do. Because really anyone, if your neighbor who is a Muslim doesn't like you, they can kill you for no reason just because you're a Christian, right? And so this morning as we uh, pray for uh, Nigeria, North Korea, Yemen, Eritrea, and Libya, let's remember these Christians. But also, let's pray for Sudan, right, with the war that is going on right now. Let's pray for the Ukraine, right? Let's pray for Ecuador. I was just catching up with Zach about their uh, trip this morning, and he was sharing about the senseless kidnappings uh, that's going on. If you're a doctor or a carpenter or if you have a certain kind of home, you have a target on you, that was where they were at, helping out at an orphanage, right? And so there are a lot of things going on in the world, whether you're a Christian or not, and so and we need to pray, right? And so to end, I'm just going to read Isaac, Isaac. I'm just going to read this verse. Uh, from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2 to 14. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening. But rejoice in as far as, your, in as, far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And so we do not pray for the persecution to stop, right? We know the history of the church. The church has grown because of persecution. And so this morning, as you pray for uh, these churches, pray that they will feel the comfort and the encouragement of the Lord as they go through these persecutions. Pray that their persecutors will come to know Christ. That is my least favorite prayer. And my least favorite scripture is pray for those who persecute you. But as Christians, we are called to do that. And then pray that during the persecution, the church will strengthen and continue to grow. Because that is what is happening too. And pray that these believers will have access to the word of God. Right? And so... If you're sitting with someone uh, or even in a group, you know, just take a few minutes uh, praying for these churches. And then after about two minutes, I'm just going to pray for us uh, to wrap it. And so pray with someone, please.
Jesus, in your word, uh, you said if your people who are gathered by your name will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their evil ways, you will hear us from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. And so uh, we come to you this morning interceding for our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have the same uh, freedom that we have to just gather on a beautiful Sunday morning to sing songs, to pray, and to worship you, Lord. And uh, we just pray for those brothers and sisters that face persecution because of their faith. Uh, we pray for strength uh, for them. We pray that you continue to move. We pray for the persecutors, Lord. We know that where there is evil, good also prevails, Lord. And so we pray in your mighty hands, Lord, that the persecutors, Lord, that like Paul, uh, you will visit them and just uh, give them a change of heart. And we uh, pray for the Christians that are being persecuted. We pray that you will strengthen their faith. We pray that when they're in prison or they're banished, Lord, that they will never feel alone, that they will feel your presence with them uh, the whole time, Lord. And uh, we pray for uh, countries like Sudan, uh, Ukraine, Lord, where there is war. Uh, we pray that you will be uh, with your people, Lord. We pray for your peace. Lord, your word said when it's close to the end of time, these things will happen. But for us to take heart, because we worship a God who will come back and take us back home with you where you wipe away our tears, where there won't be any war or sickness or pain. And so we look forward to that time, Lord. But before that happens, we pray that you will strengthen our faith and to rely on you, our author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. They have the communion elements coming up, and we're going to take some time to have communion. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are all welcome to come and partake of communion. Uh, communion is the time when we celebrate the Last Supper, where Jesus told his disciples that he was going to lay down his life for all of us. Um, he took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat, and he poured the, the wine we have juice and he said this is my blood which will be poured out for you drink it in remembrance of me so uh yeah we invite you to join us at the communion table King through all. 
another one but I think with time and the children being a little antsy um, so feel free to stand sit whatever you want um, this will be our last song and then we'll have our potluck Pure and holy, tried and true. 